I'm Jamie Ralph. I'm uh, from Galway in the west of Ireland. It's the third biggest city in Ireland. And I'm a fan of the Argentine club Newell's Old Boys from Rosario. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm great, Sean. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be on to speak to you a little bit more about supporting Newell's from the west of Ireland. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a chat. So tell me about Galway, man. What's life in Galway? Galway is, uh, yeah, life in Galway is, it's pretty cool. It's it's very different to London. So mm. I mentioned that I lived in London for six years and uh, kind of moved back to Galway to live a bit of a slower lifestyle. It's a city of about 80,000 people. Okay. Um, and I live about 30 kilometers from the city. So I'm actually more in the in the region. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very much a small city, like, when you have 80,000 people, it, it really feels like a town. It's mm. on the coast, so we've got the Atlantic Ocean, and it's uh, very popular with tourists. We get a lot of tourists here. It's known for its uh, music scene, traditional music, culture. Okay. Um, there's a lot of speakers of our native language, Irish as well, in, oh. in the Galway region. Uh, so, yeah, pretty cool city, uh, pretty small. Uh, the one thing to mention is it, it rains a lot. Uh, oh. So... We get an incredible amount of rainfall. So that is the, the one downside of living here. You you said you were living in London. How long were you in London? I was in London for six years. I okay. moved over there after I graduated from university in Ireland and started my career there. And yeah, I had a really great time. Incredible experience. And then about two years ago, I decided... Um, along with my fiance to move back to to Ireland to be closer to family and friends so uh left London behind but I think still left a big part of my heart in in London yeah so Jamie my first and most important question for this podcast how and why Newell's yeah it's a <laughs> it's a it's kind of a it's a funny story because everybody that I speak to thinks that I have family in Argentina, or, you know, I'm a big fan of Lionel Messi, which I am, but that's not the reason for supporting Newell's. So, so the, the reason that I started to become a fan of Newell's was um, when I was living in London around about five years ago, um, I was, my first club is, is Tottenham. And um, I was a season ticket holder at Spurs. So I used to go to see them at White Hart Lane every, every week. And after that, they moved to Wembley. And at the time, of course, our manager was Maurizio Pochettino, mm. the Argentine who started his career at Newell's Old Boys. And uh, I remember that when Pochettino joined, he was doing an interview for the media ahead of the North London Derby, which mm. is Spurs and Arsenal. And I was watching the interview and they asked him, you know, was he ready as a manager for the, the big derby mm. between Spurs and Arsenal, you know, one of the most hotly contested derbies in the world and you know you have some really heavy tackles flying in and, and a fiery atmosphere and he said hold on a second you know I've I've played and I've scored in the classical Rosarino for Newell's Old Boys he said that's that's a derby he said that's one of the the most fierce rivalries in the world so he said something along the lines of I think I can handle Spurs and Arsenal and that just sent my mind crazy. I just thought, wow, what is this derby he's talking about? The classical Rosarino, Newell's Old Boys, Rosario Central. So I started to do loads of research on it. And I started to learn about Newell's Old Boys. I thought I was already a huge fan of Pochettino mm. um, at that stage, you know, as our manager. And I thought, wow, this is his club. 
you know, and this is um, this is the club that means so much to him. And I started basically uh, researching them, watching their games, and it just grew into a, a bit of an obsession. And uh, I, I fell out of love with the Premier League at a similar time. So I, I was still going to the games, but I, I started to watch the Argentine League as well. And ever since then, I've been following you as old boys every week, every week. What in particular was it that uh, made you fall out of love, as you said, fall out of love with the Premier League? I think around about the same time I discovered news and I started following them. There was there was a lot of money coming into the league, and um, it was I you know I really cherished the romantic side of football mm. and the fan culture and what winning a, a match or a title means to fans, but also what it means to the players. And I'm, I'm really kind of attracted to this, the story in football of, you know, um, young players joining their hometown clubs and and becoming stars for the club in the city they're, where they're from or the town they're from. And I felt more and more that side of the English game was being eroded by money. And, you know, you had teams like Manchester City being taken over by consortiums or states in the Middle East. You know, you had a, a, a American ownership coming into Man United and Liverpool, and they're just throwing money at buying the best players and... I just felt the league had become so obsessed with building the perfect team, you know, no matter what, you know, throw, throw the money at building the perfect team. And I felt that romance had gone. And I felt that what I really loved about the Premier League was fading away quickly. Mm. Now I I have to say, you know, being a Spurs fan, it wasn't the case as much because at at the time, and certainly that time when Pochettino took over, we actually, he brought through a lot of homegrown players and we had the likes of Harry Kane and Ryan Mason come through um, from the youth team. And we were buying English players like Eric Dyer and Deli Alley. So I think my love for Spurs wasn't affected, but my love for the league and the fact that, you know, Manchester City and Liverpool and Man United were trying to just steamroll the league by spending obscene, obscene amounts of money. It, my interest in the in the league itself and watching games that weren't uh, to do with Spurs, it was just fading, you know. So I think the Argentine league almost gave me exactly what I was trying to still look for in the Premier League, where you have teams, especially with Newell's, where they're mostly made up of players who are from that city or from that town, and they're really play, playing for the the badge on the shirt, you know. Yeah. They're really uh, they they were they're players who were in, before they started their careers as footballers they were in the stands with the fans that are watching them now if that makes sense when i when i do research on these clubs when i do on on argentine clubs there is um, there's a sense of uh, real passion amongst the fans and it's it's about the community the the neighborhood and um, you know it's it's so uh, grounded and it's not it's not financial it's not uh, i i don't know how how to put it but it's there's a sort of uh, texture to it that you don't find anywhere else there's shades to it that you prob- possibly wouldn't find anywhere else and the more i learn about it the more i read about it uh i feel like i am watching the wrong league <laughs> and i have been watching the wrong league but um uh and it's it's exactly like how you said because it's so um it's so deep uh, it's so deep rooted in in not just sport in in life, you know, and everyday life, uh, and uh, how much it means to them. I'm, I'm enjoying the the time I'm spending learning about it. 
Yeah, I think I think you're you're exactly right. And personally, I mean, the attraction to the likes of Newell's Old Boys and and clubs in Argentina and other smaller leagues is that the fact that the players are are still human to the fans, and I think fans naturally look for to see if the players that they watch every week are as human as them. And they look, to, they look for characteristics and qualities that they can see in themselves or people they know. And I think at the moment, when you look at Super Leagues like the Premier League, that's almost becoming impossible because, you know, the Premier League, I, I, I don't like to, to criticise it, but it's, it, it's, it's millionaires, you know, running around. It's millionaires playing for these clubs and they've, they've lost touch, I think, with everyday life and with the normal person on the street. And I think the beauty of uh, Argentine football is that the players still retain a sense of normality. Um, you know, I think if you talk to local fans from, from clubs in Argentina or other countries, they'll say, oh, it's still normal to see that player on the street. I've met him 10 times and I saw him in the local shop or, you know, he, he was in a, he came, he came for a drink with the fans even, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's just like impossible in the Premier League. I, I don't think that exists anymore where the players are accessible to fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel there's a beauty in that, in the likes of the league in Argentina, where, you know, the, the players are still the local street footballer. You know, they're, they're still the kid on the street that you saw kicking a ball against a wall a few years ago and now, now they're playing in front of 40,000 fans but they haven't lost that sense of community mm. I mean that's what I like to believe it's, it's obviously not true for every single player um, and probably the players that move to Europe that mm. dies a little bit for them and maybe they come back to Argentina with the, a higher sense of, of themselves but um, I think with Newell's it's, it's different because we have and I mean in fairness it's true for a lot of Argentine clubs but we have a situation where a lot of players do leave for Europe and that's mm. natural in Argentina. If they reach 23 years of age and they have the talent, they'll be snapped up, but they do come back. Mm. And a lot of them take huge pay cuts to come back yeah. and play for their first club. And, and that's, and that shows you that those players are not coming back for money. They're coming back for the feeling and they're coming back for the connection that they have with that community or that fans and that to me is so special in football. And that's, I think, why I've, I've become so attracted to the Argentine league and to New Old Boys is that these players are so connected to that club that, you know, they can be offered 10 million a year mm. by a, a, a club in China with no history or no fans. And they still have, you know, they still have that fire inside them that says, no, I'm not going to go for the money. I'm going to go back and play for New York's old boys because that's my club and that's where my family are from and that's where my friends are from. You know, I, I think there's there's a real beauty in that. It's a big deal, right? The returning hero. They, they almost turn into a, a sort of a campaign to get the guy back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's huge. It's huge in Newell's. There's a, they call it a sense of belonging so that you know where the, the player leaves and goes and plays in Europe, but he feels throughout his career he always belongs in Newell's. You know that he can go and play for a club in Europe, but he'll never really feel part of that club. Yeah. But he'll always be a Newell's player. And um, there is the campaign even even today. I saw on Twitter that uh, there's a, a player who started his career at Newell's called Ezekiel Garay, 
who who plays for Valencia. He's leaving Valencia now in Spain, oh, okay. and he he made the, he made the announcement today that he was leaving the club. And I just saw so many replies saying, "Come back to Newell's, return to your home, come back to Newell's." So there is that campaign, and I think because it's happened so much over the years, and there's been so many cases of legendary players coming back to play for Newell's, and even throughout his career, Lionel Messi has famously said that he'd like to play a season in Newell's. That uh, it becomes natural now that. It's almost a you know um, a part of their career that if you go to play in Europe, you have to come back to Newell's and play a season here eventually again. You know because, like you said, they're they're treated as returning heroes and and that must be I mean for a footballer that must be incredible just to walk out again to the pitch that you made your debut on and for forty thousand fans to be screaming your name. You know I think it just must be must be magical. You've been to a yeah. couple of games now. You went. Yeah, I travelled in. Let me see, October 2019. So not too long ago, about uh, eight eight or nine months ago. Okay. After I started following news and watching every game online and becoming friends with people online and and starting my Twitter account, mm. News All Boys English. I just I I obviously made the decision that you know I have to go. I have to go. And uh, I told my girlfriend at the time. You know, I I told her. I said. I'm going to have to go to Argentina sometime soon. And, uh, you know, she, I obviously invited her to come with me, but she said, no, you can go on your own. You know, I'm not, she wasn't, she's not too interested in football. So, um, so I started to plan it and plan it and uh, saved up some money. And um, I was lucky in that I had, I had become friends with so many people in Rosario that, you know, the, planning the trip was so easy because oh. it was like, okay, when you arrive at the airport, I'll pick you up. My friend said he would pick me up take me to the match, you know, how are we going to get tickets? No problem. I already made you a member of the club, you know, so <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was an unforgettable trip. Um, I managed to go and see Newell's twice at the uh, at El Coloso, which is officially known as the Estadio Marcelo Bielsa. And uh, I saw two games. The first game was a loss and still an amazing experience because it was um, Newell's were playing Gimnasia, uh, who are a team from uh, Buenos Aires who are managed at the moment by Diego Maradona ah. and uh, Maradona is a former player of Newell's so right. he was returning to the stadium where he was once welcomed as a hero and <laughs> um, to be there for that my first game was just amazing but the Newell's lost 4-0 you know it was it was like a, that the high had you know had to come down eventually and it turned in from an incredible high to a bit of a low when we were leaving but then about 10 days after that I was still in Argentina and I came back for, we played a team called Defensa e Justicia from Buenos Aires as well. And that was a 2-0 win for Newell. So that was very nice to see a, a win and to see some goals as well. Um, but the whole trip was incredible. You know, I, I, I was on, I did some podcasts in Buenos Aires and uh, I, I was interviewed for TV outside the stadium because at, when you're at the stadium and you're speaking English straight away, everybody looks at you and they're like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Um and it was amazing yeah really you know I, I i want i just want to go back i think it, i feel you you get something inside you it's almost like an addiction once you've experienced it once you just want to go back again and again but uh yeah i mean the hospitality and friendliness shown by the people in rosario and buenos aires to me when i over was just incredible you know it's just nicest people in the world I was watching this one video where uh, there's not a light on the ground and there's just these fireworks and then people are holding up their phones. No, I think, yeah, I think what you're, you, what the video you're talking about is probably a banderazzo. 
Okay. And a banderazzo, a banderazzo is um, there's a tradition mm-hmm. that uh, in the week before the the classical game, which is the classical Rosarino, when Newell's play Rosario Central, the two teams in Rosario play, that uh, there is almost like it's almost like a party okay. in the stadium where all the fans are invited and the players come onto the pitch, uh, and they sometimes have a training session that evening. So it's like the last training session before the game. And the fans just go wild and they let off fireworks. And it's basically a gesture to the players to say, you know, this is our celebration. Go and win the game. Go and win the derby, you know. Uh, but it has become well known around the world now. Every time the Banderazzo takes place every year, there's videos that go viral. Look at these fans from Newell's Old Boys. You know, you have a lot of um, football content, Twitter accounts yeah. sharing and retweeting. And it, it is, I mean, that's one of the first videos I saw when I was researching you as old boys and trying to find out more about the club. And I just thought, wow, this is out of this world. You know, this is, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's a dream for me to actually be part of that. And yeah. when I went over it, 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 it the, the classical that season had already been played, okay. but I'd really like to get over there for the classical and, and to go to a banderazzo because it's, it's, so special and it's yeah it's it's a festival of light and phones in the air and chants and uh for the players i mean it must be quite nerve-wracking after that mm-hmm. to go, they didn't have to go with the pressure and try and win that game <laughs> um but they, i mean that that match in particular newell's old boys and rosario central is it's something else i mean it's so fiery it's so spicy it's a it's a rivalry that that it cuts very deep you know yeah there's only two clubs in the city and in Rosario, you're either red and black of Newell's Old Boys or you're yellow, yellow and blue of Rosario Central. And there's a real hatred there, you know. There's a real hatred there. And uh, they've tried to calm things down. But uh, there's, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a match like no other. I, I was thinking of this today and I thought to myself that, you know, I'm speaking to Jamie, who's um, a Spurs fan. And ideally... You and me should be talking about the North London derby. But <laughs> but here we are. And we are talking about this this derby at the other end of the world. At the other end of the world for me, at the other end of the world for you. So just tell me more, man, about this derby. It's, it sounds amazing. It's insane. I mean, all of the famous matches from each club basically are around that derby. It, it, I think to win that match... It, 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 it's bragging rights for years, you know, and I mean, it's been a, it, it, so often it's actually, it's actually a very poor game of football when yeah. it comes around. I mean, I think for the last three or four years, every game has been a draw because yeah. there's so much pressure on the, on each team that they're almost afraid to attack. It's, it's two teams defending and it's, there isn't many chances. And I mean, it, there are sinister elements to it. I mean, I remember, you know, when I looked up about the derby, I read about it and, you know, there, there is a, a sinister side to Argentine football. And I know that William, the San Lorenzo fan that you spoke to, he mentioned the Barra Brava, who are the hooligans in, in Argentina. And, you know, they, when the classical Rosarina comes around before between Newell's and Central, the Barra Brava will, you know, they'll write graffiti on the wall that says, if you don't win this match, you're dead, mm-hmm. you know. There, there's there's quite there is a violent element to the the derby and and that's unfortunate but in a strange way it it adds 
to mm. uh, the story of that match right. and it adds to the stakes. Mm. And I, I don't want to be someone that thinks that says that I support that or that that's really special, right. but right. B- because it, it, it means so much to the people of Rosario, that match has become, you know, like folklore mm. now. Mm. Um, so, so before the match, yeah, you'll get graffiti on the walls saying if you, if you don't win the match, you're going to die. And now you have a weird situation where, uh, that graffiti has turned into Newell's fans spraying that to Rosario Central so that they think it's their fans that sprayed it, but it's actually Newell's fans and it's uh, Rosario Central do the opposite. So there's a lot of dirty tricks yeah, at play. Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah, like there has been some famous, famous matches over the years. I mean, Newell's won the title uh, in 1974 at against Rosario Central to win the title. Uh, Central have had many famous wins over Newell's. Um, and, you know, there was a match four years ago where Maxi Rodriguez, who's the club captain of Newell's All Boys at the moment, most people will know him for his time at Liverpool, Atletico Madrid. He, he scored the winner at the stadium of Rosario Central uh, in 94 minutes. Mm. Uh, and there was just silence in the stadium because there's no way fans allowed to go to games in Argentina anymore and that's due to crowd trouble and and things like that but if you that game where you see Maxi Rodriguez scoring and all you can hear is Newell's players and the bench it's almost like a game today where there's no there's no fans in the stadium because of coronavirus because the whole central stadium thousands of people just go completely silent you know um there's another famous clip from 2004 where uh, they showed a central fan. Newell's had a corner. They showed a central fan blessing himself. And uh, and then Newell scored. And it showed the fan again. And he just looked desolate, you know, distraught. Uh, so there's, it's, this game has taken on a sense of folklore. Mm. And uh, there's, it's, it's, I think there's that sense that if a team loses every other match, in in the um in the season as long as they win that game all is forgiven you know yeah, yeah. it's it's taken on that 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 folklore and i mean it goes back even even their nicknames are linked to this isn't it yeah that's true um so newels are known as la lepra which is uh leprosy and uh, los leprosos are newels fans were lepers okay. and uh rosario central then are known as canasias which is scoundrels okay and that goes, those nicknames go back to uh, the early 1900s. Um, in Rosario, there was a charity match that was organized for victims of leprosy. So for almost a, a leper colony and, and people who were suffering with that disease. And the clubs at the time, Newell's Old Boys and Rosario Central were asked to play this match for charity. And Newell's Old Boys said, no problem. We'll be there, we'll play the match. And Rosario Central refused. Okay. They didn't want to play the match for charity. So then Newell's became known as the Lepers, the, the club who wanted to play this charity match for leprosy. And Rosario Central, who turned down the invitation to play the match, became known as the Scoundrels, Canasias. And that's, that has run true to today. You know, that's the, the nicknames of the clubs. And oh. proudly, proudly, you know, we call ourselves Lepers and they call themselves Scoundrels. Um, so that, that's the story. And it's such a unique nickname. I think that yeah. when I was originally looking up 
you know, the information and the history of the newest old boys that drew me to them as well. I thought, wow, the lepers. I said, what a nickname, you know, yeah. what a, you, you know, you, you hear things like the red devils and the reds and the whites and so boring, you know, and you just hear, wow, this is the, the lepers. And it's, it's taken on um, it's kind of own. It's, it's, uh, it's become a talking point since I, I started the newest old boys English Twitter account because you know, I use phrases like a player has leprosy yeah. if they're a big newest old boys fan, you know, or uh, something like that. Everybody's like, leprosy? What? <laughs> you know, you still have leprosy in Argentina? It's uh, it's so funny. People get confused. And then when they find out the nickname, they're like, oh, okay, okay, I see. But it's, uh, it's a unique uh, element of following the club that we the fans say, you know, we're sick with leprosy. That's yeah. a, a saying that wow. newest old boys i've had friends in argentina say to me you know you're sick you're you're sick and i'm like what and they're like you're an irish new old boys fan you you have to be sick with leprosy you know <laughs> um so it's uh, and there's 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 also a big a big banner which i, I love at the stadium that says uh, if i am to die let it be leprosy that kills me oh, <laughs> i love that i love it i love oh, it so really? much it's just like I, it's, lovely, it's a great man. phrase to have in a football stadium it's so unique yeah, what, what a unique turn of phrase man i mean it, the, what a way to put it yeah exactly i, I love it it's uh, I, and i think that's what makes new as old boys stand out it's a very unique club i think there's there's that's only one element of the other stories we could talk about that make yeah. it unique and and you know the fact that as well i mean new as old boys is, a, is an english name for a club yeah. in argentina and i think that you know everybody who hears that thinks Where did that come mm, from? You know, mm, Newell's Old Boys. And of course, the club was founded by an Englishman, uh, Claudio Newell, whose uh, father was Isaac Newell, who had emigrated to Argentina from Kent in Argentina, or uh, Kent in, in England, sorry. Right. And uh, and then Claudio was setting up a, a football club in Rosario and decided to name it in honor of his father, Isaac. So they were called Newell's Old Boys. And, and I mean, it's I think it's incredible that yeah. You know, 100 years later, this club, it has the name Newell's All Boys, but it has taken on a character and a meaning that is so much more to so many people. And it's uh, it's amazing that the, the, the name remains and that link to the UK and to Kent remains. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, another unique side of the club. How did the uh, Twitter account start? Twitter account started not long after I started following Newell's and it kind of came out of the fact that I found it hard to, to follow them without there being an English Twitter account mm. to, 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 to learn more about the club and to find out what was happening each week and who the players were and who the manager was. And at the time I started to watch some streams on a Sunday night to see how Newell's were doing. Um, and then I, I didn't speak Spanish. I still don't speak Spanish well, but it's certainly a, a lot better than when I started to follow Newell's. I can understand and say some basic sentences now but um if you don't speak spanish it's very hard to follow a club that doesn't have that english presence and funnily enough newell's old boys is actually the only club in argentina that has an official english twitter account okay. but it was inactive for a long time so when i started following newell's they weren't tweeting there was no they might have tweeted like once per month and it was something that was maybe a google translate from the spanish so it didn't make a lot of sense So although they had an official English account, it wasn't giving me any information that helped me to follow Newell's. So I thought, wow, this could be done a lot better. And is there any other fan accounts? So I had a look and there wasn't. So I just decided, well, you know, if I start this up, it's going to help me to learn more about Newell's. Yeah. It's going to make me want to commit to following the club and watching the games. 
And it's also going to tell this, what I think is quite a unique story and a background. You know, it's going to tell that story to other English-speaking fans. And I think, I think the club deserves to have a, a bigger following in the likes of England, where there are those links with Kent and, and, and you know, managers like Marcelo Bielsa now who manages in England. And um, so I just decided to do myself. And it started out, you know, with me taking some of the Spanish tweets and rewriting them in English and posting news about the club and posting the results. And of course, some of the matches are on so late that it was really hard to follow, to stay up for matches that were on 1am, 2am UK time. And uh, so I was posting the result the next morning and, and there was a few followers coming through. There was, you know, 300, 400 followers. Okay. And then, and then Marcelo Bielsa, who is former Newell's manager, the, the stadium is named after him. He's a club icon. Mm. Then he took over as the manager of Leeds United. And overnight, there just was this huge interest from fans in England mm. um, around Newell's old boys. And they wanted to know who Marcelo Bielsa was, what his background was and who was, first club was and where he won titles and I, I saw that opportunity and I, I created a thread about Newell's old boys and how they were Marcelo Bielsa's club and a little bit more about Bielsa mm. and that just went viral and then you know I think uh, in in the weeks after Bielsa took over I got 3,000 new followers wow. you know and it's, gro- it's grown since then there, there's probably I'd say there might be 20 to 30% of people who follow the account who are genuinely interested in Newell's and Argentine football. But I'd say 70 to 80% of my followers are Leeds fans now who uh, have really uh, formed a connection with Newell's because of Bielsa, similar to how I did with Pochettino. I mean, I'm the same as them. I started to follow Newell's because Pochettino was an ex-Newell's player and a fan. And I, I really wanted to know, know more about the club that he came from. And it's the same for those thousands of Leeds fans that follow me now. They want to connect with and learn more and follow the club that means so much to their manager, Marcelo Bielsa. It's fantastic that you're doing this because um, there's so much. I tried to, like I was telling you, I tried to uh, understand more about the club and there isn't that much uh, information on the club out there. I mean, there's a lot of information now about uh, Bielsa. But, uh, you know, just in terms of the, the history of the club and things like that, uh, there are bits and parts, but no, n- nothing sort of in-depth. So I think it's really fantastic that you're, you're doing this. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of information about Bielsa. There's a lot of information about this is the club where Lionel Messi yeah. started. Um, and there isn't a lot of, of information about the history. I mean, Newell's was founded in 1903. They didn't win a title in Argentina until 1974. And since 1974, they've had a, a, a you know, they've won a title in, in every decade, I think. I think. Um, so a lot of the history is kind of after 1974 because that's when the players, the team started winning titles and those players became famous and moved to Europe. And before that, I mean, the history is, is hard to, to dig up if you don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I mean, I wrote a blog piece called The Five Most Iconic Newell's All Boys Matches um, because I wanted to try and get people involved in the history of the club mm. rather than just kind of Marcelo Bielsa-related stuff. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the club's history involves Marcelo Bielsa because he's mm. such an iconic figure. But there were really real glory moments for the club mm. apart from that as well after he left. 
left him before he arrived. But um, I also think an important thing to say is that Lionel Messi has, has said that he wants to come back and play for at least six months in Newell's. Yeah. Now, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure. Yeah. But there's, there is little knowledge of Newell's Old Boys as a club out there at the moment among the football media and about journalists. They know the name. They know Messi came from Newell's, but they don't know much else. And I think it's important that there is an English presence there yeah. for when that happens in the future, or if that happens. Yeah. So if we're talking three years' time and Messi leaves Barcelona and he's going to come back and play in Newell's, there's obviously going to be the eyes of the football world on Rosario and on Newell's to see what happens. Mm. And I think it's important that there is someone or something there to be able to fill in the blanks for those yeah. members of the media or fans, you know, and I, 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 I'm, I'm passionate about that, that, you know, if that happens, mm. there really needs to be someone who can write and speak in English about what this means to Newell's old boys and to, tell them the history of the club there's lot, and there's people who are much more qualified than me to do that there's there's many english journalists based in buenos aires who are real experts on argentine football and the context and know so much more than than me than the history but um i'd like to be able to spread the the disease of newells you know as uh, the, the leprosy disease uh, around the world because i think i think the club deserves that follow and it's it's provided so many players to European football managers. I mean, the list, when you see the list of players who came from Newell's Old Boys, it's really, um, it's an iconic club, I think, in the history of football recently. You know, I think I think it is. I, I do believe that. And I'd like more people to to know that and to, to know that, uh, you know, that there is other clubs beyond River and Boca in Argentina and that Newell's Old Boys has a history that's worth talking about and worth... Uh, celebrating just as much as Boca Juniors are River Plate. Lovely. And I hope that happens, man. Me too. I, I always, uh, I've always said to people that, and I've, I've said it to my, my girlfriend as well, that uh, if that happens, I'm going to be in the stadium for Messi's first game at Newell's. I'll be there. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. If I have to leave my job, <laughs> if I have to leave my family, if I have to spend 10,000 euros on a flight, I'll be there. So, so that's the dream. That's the dream. That uh, takes me to my next question. What is your earliest memory of the club? I, well, I've only been following them for about five years. Um, and I mean, my first memory of following them, I remember in the first few weeks when I, when this happened, when, when I heard Pochettino talking about Newell's and I started to research them, I started to look them up. I remember, I remember pl- playing as them in the game Pro Evolution Soccer, uh. PES. Uh, on the Xbox, yeah. so I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start a, a career with Newell's Old Boys. Yeah. I remember doing that. Yeah. I remember trying to find their streams on a Sunday night. Mm. Uh, I remember watching, it was around, it, they, they played River Plate in, in Buenos Aires at the famous Monumental Stadium, mm. huge stadium in Buenos Aires, and they won. They won, uh, and I, I remember watching it on a really, really bad quality stream SD quality like on a Sunday night I think it was from a betting website or something like that you know and I, I remember watching that and then I also remember but then I started listening to a, a podcast a brilliant English language podcast on Argentine football called Hand of Pod it's right. the only podcast that uh, speaks about Argentine football in general there's some other podcasts now that are club specific yeah, yeah. but Hand of Pod is a uh, is run by a 
an English guy called Sam Kelly, okay. who lives in Buenos Aires, and he has some other guests who are English guys. Uh, I think he's had some other English speakers on the, the show over the years as well. But they every week they speak about what happened in the Argentine League. So I looked at that podcast, started listening, and I mean, that podcast gives you the education that you need to know to follow Argentine football, and they invite questions every week, and it's easy to start interacting with the, the other listeners and the presenters on Twitter. Okay. So that was something I did at the start. So, so around those few weeks when I really decided, okay, I'm now a new Old Boys fan. I'm, I'm coming down with leprosy. <laughs> I, I, I remember listening to that podcast, uh, watching the games on a Sunday night on a, on a really bad stream and, and starting a game of uh, Pro Evolution Soccer with, with New Old Old Boys. Who is your club legend? My club legend, there's a few you can you could name. And I think there's there's three distinct icons of the club, really, when I, when people ask me who are the legends. And the first one is usually always Marcelo Bielsa. The stadium is named after him. Right. And he played for the club. He wasn't a great player, but he's had a, you know, a trailblazing coaching career. Uh, and then there's the current captain, Maxi Rodriguez, who's had three spells, I think, at the club, if not four, who keeps coming back to help the club, has been there through thick and thin. But I think the legend that I would pick is Tata Martino, mm. Gerardo Martino, known as Tata, who is the most capped player for the club. I think he's played over 500 times for Newell's. Mm -hmm. He then returned as a coach and won the title with Newell's. He won the title as a player. Yeah. He won the title as a manager. I think he is 100% the, the icon of the club. I think he represents Newell's old boys, everything that's true about the club. He sacrificed a lot. I know when he was playing as a player in the early 90s under Marcelo Bielsa, mm -hmm. he went to Spain and joined a club in Spain at the peak of his career. And he actually came back to win another title with Newell's midway through the season. And he was like, no, I'm going back. He played like only a few games in Spain, won the title again. Um, I think his dedication to the club is unrivaled. Came back in 2013, one season, mm. he won the title from nothing. Yeah. He, he put the, he put an incredible team together and uh, and then of course after that he became the manager of Barcelona because I think a lot of it was probably the recommendation of Lionel Messi who had mm. seen him win the club with Newell win the title with Newell's but for me Tata Martino he, he's now the manager of the Mexican national team okay. he has uh, won a title previously with Atlanta United in the MLS and you know managed Argentina for a short time managed uh, Paraguay and other other countries in uh, South America. So for me, I mean, he's 100% Newell's. I think uh, what he did as a player, what he did as a coach, as a Newell's fan, we could never ask him for any more. You know, he gave everything. Players who deserve a bit more praise. It's an interesting one because Newell's have given so many good players to bigger clubs in Europe over the years. Yeah. But in recent times, we've, we've actually let a few really good players go through the cracks. Mm -hmm. um, and the one for me recently is a, a player called Lisandro Martinez, who now plays for Ajax Amsterdam. And he came through the academy at Newell's. I think they signed him from another club in Argentina at a very young age. But we had him uh, in the reserve team about five years ago. And, you know, he was in and around the first team. He was very close to becoming a first team player. But for some reason or another, he wasn't fancied and, mm. and he didn't, the club decided uh, that he wasn't a, 
a newest player. He wasn't fit for us as a team mm. in the Argentine league. And there's a lot of finger pointing now. You know, it was that manager that said it. It was the chairman that said it. It was his decision. And nobody wants to own up and say, it was me who made the call that Lisandro Martinez should be sold, mm. should be let go. But he left Newell's without establishing himself in the first team. And he was uh, sold for a small amount of money to Defensa Justicia. Uh, I mentioned them previously, a, club in, a small club really in Buenos Aires. They've only been in the top division for a number of years. They're a very small club. He was sold to them and they saw his talent immediately. And he played, he played, a, they came second in the, in the league a few seasons ago. And he was, he was a real important part of that side. He's a central defender. And he, he, he had such a great season for Defensa Justicia that Ajax mm. came in for him. Ajax bought him for $7 million from Defensa Justicia, which is a lot of money for Argentina. $7 million is still a big transfer fee. And Newell's received, you know, if you're to believe what the club said, they received about $1 million from that transfer deal from a sell-on clause. Okay. He transferred to Ajax and... I mean, he's had an amazing start at Ajax. He's been one of the best players last season for Ajax. Played in the Champions League. Uh, he's been capped for Argentina now, so he's played for the national team. And I think he's going to go far. Yeah. And I think he he won't. He'll be bought by possibly a bigger club to Ajax. Yeah. And that's a real regret because he could have. I mean, he was never going to stay in Newell's for his career. We would have always sold him on. Yeah. But if we could have kept him, brought him to the first team, he would have helped maybe with our defence at the back. We've had a very pure, poor number of seasons where we've been close to relegation. And then we could have sold him on for his real value and, and you know, got the got the money that defence Justicia received, uh, $7 million, mm-hmm. which would have been a real uh, boost to the club's finances. So when I see the name of Lissandro Martinez now and I see him doing so well, um, it's, uh, yeah, I definitely have a lot of regret. And I think many Newell's fans do that the club didn't value him enough because uh, he's going to go on to big things in world football. Young players, you're looking to see more of. Young players, I'm looking to see more of. There's quite a few at the moment. It's, um, I mean, Newell's is a club that it, it does have great foundations in place for the youth academy and bringing players through. So there always seems to be the next big thing, you know. Um, at the moment, there's, there's two players in the first team who've been playing uh, league football. Mm-hmm who are subject to interest from Europe. Um, Hieronimo Kachabue is a defensive midfielder who is in his second season. He's had some injury problems. A really, really good uh, deep midfield player who can score goals and pass as well. Uh, he, I think the big clubs in Buenos Aires really want to sign him, River Plate and, and um, Boca Juniors, but he's been scouted by Real Betis as well okay. in, uh, in Spain. And He's my favorite player in the first team at the moment, but he's he's had a bad injury, so it's kind of we're, we're waiting to see will he come back. And then there's another central midfield player called Anibal Moreno, and Moreno has been scouted by Newcastle United and some other clubs in Europe. Um, he is a more of an attacking midfielder, great passer, scores goals. He scored for us this season, and he's been playing in the Argentina under twenty squad. Uh, real, real talent, and they are kind of, they're kind of in the nineteen twenty age group. So if they have another season with Newell's, it'd be great. But they're probably going to go off soon. Definitely some talented players coming through the ranks, and I think it's a, 
a mixture of how long can we hold on to them? Uh, can they stay injury free? And will we have a, a manager or a coach that gives them the chance? Uh, and that will decide their, their future, I think. Because clubs don't have big budgets and because Argentina is such a, a conveyor belt mm. for Europe, there's a kind of a feeling that there are going to be good players in these academies, you know, because the academies, they've, they've produced players for years. So they know, they, they believe in that they have the structures in place to produce good players. So there is, um, you know, a real focus on developing young players um, because clubs simply, they just don't have the money to buy good players from other clubs. So you have a mixture of free transfers, you know, Bosman's, the end of end of contract players moving and young players coming through. So, I mean, I think what you have then is, is you do have a lot of, lot of young players who are given their debut early mm. and then they don't do anything, you know, they, their careers go on the wayward and they, they join a, a club in Ecuador or yeah. Colombia and you never hear from them again. So that happens a lot. I mean, of course there's players who don't realize their potential, but, um, for sure, I think if I think back over the years of when I've been live tweeting Newell's games, it's very common for me to say this player is coming on as a substitute for his debut. You know, there's a lot of young players uh, used mm. by managers. And um, I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, that's the beauty of, of following Argentine football that um, if you start to follow the clubs, it's very likely in a few years that you can tell your friends, I, I saw that player when he made his debut in Argentina. Now he's a star, you know, it's. Yeah. You know, especially for, I, I know some Independiente fans, mm. which is the first club of Sergio Aguero. And they can remember when Aguero came on as a 16-year-old, you know. And so it, it's it's nice to be able to see future stars in, in action. And, uh, you know, there, I, there's a lot of um, fans of Argentine football who have, you know, got gotten jobs now as scouts, you know, for um, clubs in England and in Europe because they're watching the games every week. And the clubs want to find people who really know their stuff. And if you see a talent, you know, early on, you can you can make money if you go to a club in Europe and say, this player is going to be good. Take a look at him, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think Argentina is a, is a hotbed of, of young, talented footballers coming through, making their debuts for the first time. And um, a, a lot of them do go on to Europe and to much bigger things. I think the day that I arrived in Argentina and went to that game uh, against Gimnasia, the whole day is just etched in my memory because I flew from, I started out my journey in Ireland and I flew to Amsterdam and then I took a flight from Amsterdam to Buenos Aires, about 14 hours long. Mm. And when I arrived in Buenos Aires, I hadn't slept much and, you know, jet lagged, very tired. And my friend, Nicolas from Rosario, he picked me up outside the airport. He had a Newell's shirt. He had a hat, a hat of Marcelo Bielsa. He had some mate. So mate is the, the popular drink in Argentina. It's like a similar to a herbal tea that everybody drinks in Argentina. He had he had one of those in the car for me. And you know, it's a, there's a lot of caffeine in it, so it's it boosts your energy. And then we then we drove from the airport in Buenos Aires directly to Rosario. It was about a four-hour drive yeah. and we just had you know we had so much fun on the drive talking about newels and uh you know we um we took a we stopped on the highway on the way to rosario we found a sign that said rosario you know 200 kilo kilometers we, we held the newels shirt above it and we took some pictures and and then we arrived in rosario and i hadn't slept for like 
two days, but I was I was buzzing. Yeah. I was so buzzing. And we got to the stadium and it, the stadium is in a park in Rosario. It's in this amazing, almost like a tropical park with palm trees oh. surrounding the stadium oh. in the middle of the city. And there's Newell's fans everywhere. There's people singing, there's people drumming. The atmosphere is incredible. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, 24 hours ago, I was in Ireland and now I'm in Rosario and I'm about to go to a Newell's Old Boys match. It was amazing. And the sun was shining. It was like 30 degrees. And then we got into the stadium and uh, the, the, the stand in Rosario, the, the stadium in Rosario, the stands are very steep, very high okay. at the uh, El Coloso del Parque, the, the stadium of New Old Boys. And you walk up the steps behind the stands, it's really steep. Mm. And then suddenly you get to the top and you walk out through a doorway and then you see the whole stadium. And I just remember that. I remember just walking through the, the walking up the steps, walking through the, the doorway. And I saw, I saw in front of my eyes what I had only seen in videos and pictures beforehand. And it was amazing. And I stood in the stand and <clears throat> everybody started to sing and uh, started to let off fireworks. And of course, then when the match started, Maradona came out. Yeah. And Maradona is, you know, every, one of my footballing heroes and an icon of world football. And to see him in the flesh, and he saluted the Newell's fans and he started to, you know, he, he talked in the microphone and, you know, he said stuff like, oh, I'm still a Newell supporter and someday I'll come back here for good. Mm. And to live that experience is just, I recommend it to anyone, anybody that is thinking about going to Argentina to watch football, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's, I mean, I was a season ticket holder for years in London and that was one of my dreams as a kid. Mm to go to Spurs every week, to live that life of being a Spurs supporter. And I did it and it was amazing, but Argentina, the, the culture, so more so much more vibrant. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's just part of life in Argentina in a way that it's not really in England. And the Premier League is so sanitized at the moment, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't bring flags in and you can't drink beer in the stands and you, you can't sing this song, you know, whereas Argentina, it's, uh, it's more real and they, they allow the fans to express themselves. And while the football on the pitch is, you know, not as good as the Premier League, the fan culture and the sense of community, especially with the newest all boys club is, uh, it's magic. It's magic for me. And um, I think a lot of Argentine fans, they look at someone like me from Ireland and they think, why are you supporting News All Boys? Why didn't you come to Argentina? You know, Argentina, this country's a mess. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think they don't understand that the culture that they have there around football is very special. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very special. And I, I, I hope they realize that because, um, and I mean, the culture in Argentina, the fan culture has been sanitized as well over the years, you know, away fans can't go to games now. And some games have to be played behind closed doors because of crowd trouble. So, you know, I'd like to think that the Ar Argentinian football can be preserved in this very special way, but uh, it's, it's never a given um, that it, it will always be like this. So, so I urge anyone that can have the opportunity to travel to Argentina to, to watch football, do it. And even don't just go to one club. I went, I went, I went and watched other games when I was in Argentina. I went to a, a game in Buenos Aires, 
between two other clubs. And while it wasn't as good as Newell's, and of course I would say that, but it, it genuinely wasn't, uh, it was still a, a great experience and different to going to Newell's. So uh, anyone that's lived in Argentina for a while, or I mean, even you, you interviewed William about his yeah. love of San Lorenzo. He spoke about living in Buenos Aires. And uh, I think if you're, if you're a football fan, that, that, that loves to, to watch football and become part of a, a football family and a culture and a club. It's, uh, yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough. To the point that you were making earlier about, you know, the commercialization of it. Um, this is something that I think about a lot because uh, fans like me are also part of that story, right? Because of that com commercialization at that time, Premier League, the TV rights, all of that coming in is the reason someone like me could experience it uh, so far away. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, it's, it's a tightrope, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't acknowledge that because, uh, you know, that's, that's part of how I got into the experience and how I, uh, I kind of identify with it in, in many ways. I mean that's that's completely fair, and um, I with with all of the stories I've told about going to Argentina, I mean that was a it was a big trip, and you know the flight is is so long. I mean like fourteen hours on the plane. Personally, I don't think that's natural for any human. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a long trip, and you're you know it, it, the world is a big place. But um, I think you make such a valid point there about the internet internationalization of. Of the Premier League and other European leagues, and and you you're right. I mean, like, it's it's uh, there are positives to the globalization and the fact that fans, new fans, can start to support clubs that before were completely inaccessible to them because the internet didn't exist and they couldn't watch, um, you know, matches on television. And that that's amazing. I mean, that's. I need to remind myself of that more when I think that, oh, the Premier League has gone too far. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it reminds me that um, there's a, a famous Irish commentator, former player of, in the Premier League called Jim Beglin. Yeah. He's a, he's a co-commentator co on many of the international streams for the Premier League. And I follow him on Twitter. He's a former Liverpool player. And uh, everything he tweets is responded to by, um, by users in, I think it's Ghana. It's certainly some countries in Africa. And they... They worship Jim Beglin like a hero because he's the co-commentator on the stream that they get. Yeah. And he tweets about something and everything is like, Mr. Beglin, when are you, when are you back on, on, on the coverage? Are you going to be commentating on Liverpool and Chelsea? How are you today, Mr. Beglin? And I just think that is amazing. I just love it. I love it so much that Jim Beglin, because he's a co-commentator on the international feed of the Premier League, is now a superstar and a hero in Africa. Um, so, you know, the, the globalization of the Premier League has these kind of subplots yeah. that uh, are really, really positive, really positive. A game that has left you disappointed and a game that has left you elated? Oh, um, I think the ones that spring to mind straight away are, um, are the ones that I was at in, in, in Rosario. I mean, the first game that I went to is a 4-0 defeat, you know, um, and uh, I, I remember tweeting about it and I had some, I genuinely had some Newell's fans tweeting me saying, never come back <laughs> because you brought, you brought the bad luck of the Irish, <laughs> the bad luck of the Irish to, uh, to their stadium, oh. you know, because I, I, I traveled 
you know, thousands of miles from our first game and they lost 4-0. And, and it was so bizarre because Gymnasia, the team that won, they were bottom of the table. They hadn't won a game in months. Newells were doing quite well. We were like up in the continental qualification positions. Um, so it was completely out of character, you know, uh, an, an outlier of a result. Um, and I, 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 although I had a brilliant time at the match, I left the stadium on a, a bit of a downer because I, I thought, well, I'm a bit jet lagged. I've, I haven't slept in 48 hours. And I had a great time at Newell's, but they just lost 4 0. And I have people on Twitter telling me that I brought the bad luck of the Irish to the game. So I was a bit down after that. But then, I mean, the elation, I think, came uh, about 10 days later when I went for my second game. And that was a 2 0 win. And I was in much better form because I'd been in Argentina for two weeks. So I had no more jet lag. I had a really good sleep that, that night. I'd been to a barbecue with some friends beforehand. Um, we were with some English fans, actually, who we met and uh, brought to the game. They were traveling around South America and they were fans of Leeds. Yeah. So I was having a really good time with, a really good time with them. And uh, yeah, and that evening after the game, went and drank a few pints with friends. And uh, ah, we just, yeah, I mean, I think they were polar opposites. You know, first game in Argentina, 4-0 defeat. Second game, 2-0 win. Uh, it was the complete opposite experience, but uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was it was brilliant to be able to have that story to tell in, in hindsight. You know, I have a I have a sticker that a friend of mine sent me. So, friend of mine, Nicholas, the guy who who picked me up from the airport to bring me to Newell's, you know, become a, a really close friend of mine, a massive Newell's fan who 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 speaks perfect English and took an interest in what I was doing on Twitter, and we became great friends. And he sent me a sticker of, uh, of Marcelo Bielsa. There's a famous picture of Marcelo Bielsa when he won the title in Newell's. He was lifted onto the shoulders mm. of the players and the fans. And he, he was shouting in the air a famous slogan, Newell's Caraco, Newell's Caraco, which basically translates as fucking Newell's, you know. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit of a swear word in Spanish, but uh, it's, a, it's a term of real, you know, um, excitement and uh it's an endearment to football fans and there's a fame that famous picture he printed it onto a sticker and he sent it to me and i have this sticker and i can't decide where to put it <laughs> so i've left this i've left the sticker you know just lying around I, i'll keep i'll keep it safe but i thought about putting it on a laptop or putting it on a car and i just thought no it'd be wasted there so I, I, I'm thinking of the perfect place to put this sticker of Bielsa, but I also I also feel that um, it it doesn't have the right place yet, and maybe I should just keep it in my wallet and keep it as a reminder that I'm a Newell's fan. And also that reminds me of something else that's in my wallet, and that's my membership card for Newell's Old Boys. So I became a member of the club, and uh, they sent me a membership card, and I have a special number, and you can use that card to enter the stadium. And I keep, I keep that in my wallet and uh, that's cool because whenever I meet people and talk about Argentine football and talk about Newell's, like especially people from Argentina, they think I'm not serious like about the club, you know, they think I just, I'm a part-time fan, you know. And then when I say, hey, I'm a, I'm a socio, which is their name for a member of the club, a socio. When I say I'm a socio, here I can prove it, look at my card. Then, they're, then they realize that I'm, I'm serious, you know, and... So I keep that close as well, the, the membership card. And I think that means a lot as well. You've been a fan now for just a couple of years, not a long journey, but it's been some journey. Uh, so 
what has it really meant to you i mean it's kind of changed my life in a weird way um because i think as a football fan you pick one club at the start and i was a i was a spurs fan since i was six years old and i still am and then you never think that there'd be another club you know and i i i, I do believe in that I, I would never have another club in england or or even really in europe I, someone said to me one time they said you can support a second club as long as there's no realistic chance that those clubs will ever meet yeah. in a match. And when I started supporting Newell's, I thought, are Tottenham ever going to play Newell's? And I thought, no, nah, probably not. <laughs> so I said, it's okay. And I truly believe that. And I think anyone that, you know, uh, wants to argue with me on that, they can be my guest. But uh, I, 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 yeah, I obviously grew up as a football fan following Spurs and never, never thought that I would support a second team. And when I started supporting Newell's, I just kind of thought, okay, I kind of like the idea of running a Twitter account for a football team, um, but I never thought it would be anything beyond that. Mm. And to think that kind of three years after that, I was in Rosario with new friends, right. speaking a little bit of Spanish in a stadium in Argentina. I mean, it's mad. It's almost like I, I started to live another life, you know, like I, I became, yeah. I, did, I don't want to say a different person, but um, there's still a lot of my friends from childhood and from my town and from my local area who don't know this about me, you know, who don't know that I have this Twitter account and I have been to Argentina to follow this club and that I know I have friends from Argentina. So it's, it's so unexpected, but um, all I can say is that I'm, I'm so blessed and lucky that this came along. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 all I can do is thank Maurizio Pochettino really yeah. and I, I'd love I'd love someday to say to him thanks you know thanks for saying that about news because now I'm a fan of the club and now I'm a leper like you <laughs> um, but I mean yeah it's it's been life-changing and I feel part of the family of news and I feel like this is going to be something now that you can never really let go yeah I think that once you become a fan of this club once you go there once you make friends that you'll keep going back and you it, it becomes a part of your life and your personality mm. and uh, it's definitely uh, made my life better mm. you know that I've found this community of fans of people that have allowed me to have that experience in Argentina and hopefully um, many more and that I've met so many people online and you know it used to be kind of uncool to make friends online yeah. when I, what, a few years ago if you said oh, I have a friend that I, I met online yeah. this is before everybody started meeting their partners on on apps like tinder and internet dating but it used to be quite uncool but now i think when you can you know there, there's genuine friends i have that i have met through twitter and i don't feel embarrassed saying that anymore yeah. and i think years ago it used to be oh i met that person on social media you kind of think oh that guy's a bit of a geek or a nerd or something but um the fact that i can say well i met this person on twitter and then i went to argentina and stayed in their house and i went to a news old boys game with them I think that's pretty cool, yeah. you know. Um, and even, I mean, to be talking to you on this podcast today, Sean, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed chatting to you and meeting you, even though we've just done it over Zoom. Yeah. And I think, well, if I wasn't supporting this club, this this would have this conversation would have never happened. Right. So, um, I mean, there was a bit of luck involved. I think there was Maurizio Pochettino mentioning Newell's. Um, and there was a lot of things along the way that happened, like Marcelo Bielsa, taken over leads that almost seems like an act of luck that benefited me mm. and that Twitter account. But uh, all I can say is that it's become so much of a part of my life now 
um, that I'm just thankful and grateful that it's happened, really. Yeah, it's lovely. And I love that story, man. As a Spurs fan, listening to the Spurs manager, and that led you uh, researching this club, and not just researching it, but now you're invested in it. You know, you're invested in that story. It's part of your life. And I can't say that Pochettino listens to this pod, but <laughs> but uh, hopefully, I mean, someday you'll get a chance to to tell him in person, man, because it's a lovely story. And I, I'm, I'm so glad you came on the pod to uh, discuss it with me. Thank you, man. Really, really appreciate that. And hopefully someday I will get to tell him. I mean, it's strange because just through following Newell's, I've... I've got to know a lot of people involved with the club who know players and know managers. So I guess it's not unrealistic that someday maybe he could find out about me or I could get the chance to tell him, but uh, that'd be great because um, I think not just him mentioning Newell's in an interview, but Pochettino as a person has had a big impact on a lot of people Mm. in England. And I know from supporting Spurs that he means so much to Tottenham fans Mm. Um, and I think it, while it was, it was for me, it was such a, a lucky situation that he mentioned that club and I became a fan of Newell's. I mean, there is something about Pochettino. He has made such a mark on English football and on the club of Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and I think, I like to think that there's a link between his character and the club of Newell's old boys, because what I see in him as a person mm-hmm. is what I see in so many people connected to Newell's. Yeah. And that's the kind of warm, friendly human side of people who care about each other and who will do anything for each other and i think that has helped him in his managerial career and uh yeah he's become a real hero of mine and um hopefully uh yeah someday he will find out about me and my story perhaps but uh no it's been been a pleasure to talk to you sean and uh really really good podcast you've got going there and i wish you all the best and i'll be uh I'll be, li- I'll be listening to all the other episodes with great interest and uh, yeah, keep it up, keep it up. And uh, I-, I hope, and I-, I think you will get to- a chance to-, to visit Arsenal one day, as much as I dislike that club. <laughs> uh, I-, I-, I think it's, uh, I think it's only right that someday you'll get a chance to maybe realize your dream as a faraway fan. Yeah. And uh, I wish you all the best in that. Thanks man. And I, um, and it was something that I wanted to discuss too. Um, you know the, these these clubs. They're not just uh, they're not just clubs. They are um, how they affect you, how they impact your personality. Uh, because if you think about it, and just like you said, um, Pochettino, uh, Bielsa, uh, even Messi, there's no flash. You know, there's no uh, they're so grounded, and I think it's it all comes from having had that experience in that little town. And the lives that they've led. Um, so even Messi and I, and I'm, I look at him sometimes. And even I was reading one of these articles that uh, I think you shared with me. One of these articles that you know, for all his success, he's still so grounded. Um, and then you have somebody like Bielsa. I'm hoping we can talk about Bielsa a little bit more. And there's a common thread among those guys there. And I, I may, may, you'll know more about this. And maybe some more players. There's a common thread there among those three: Bielsa, Messi and Poch. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I've been thinking about it and I was I was speaking to someone else on a podcast about Leeds, about Bielsa and I think I made the comment that my experience going to Argentina was that this was something you, you just was ingrained with a lot of the people mm. and it was related to the fact that 
it's not a country that has had a great economy. Mm. You know, there's always been problems with making a living, right. you know, getting a job. And um, I think it's made people grounded. And, mm-hmm. and I think it has made people feel that, well, I'm not better than this other person. I'm just like them. You know, we have to make a living. And even when they become footballers or coaches, that there's always that reminder there that, well, I just came from the same street as that other person. So, you know, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, when I think about Argentine footballers that have become megastars, and your example of Messi is is important because you're right in that he, I mean, he really shuns the the limelight. He he doesn't want to be a celebrity. He's a private family guy. Um, And you can't say that for every Argentine player. So I'm beginning to maybe challenge my own theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is players like, I think Carlos Tevez had a bit of a reputation of being a little bit flash when he played in Manchester. Um, there's certainly been other players like, like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Angel Di Maria, yeah. who comes from Rosario Central in Rosario, I think he's had a bit of a reputation of being a little bit flash as well. Mm-hmm. Mauro Cardi is a Newell's fan, but never played for Newell's. He has a reputation... And it makes it kind of brings me back to the to the figure of Bielsa, mm. and Bielsa throughout his career has pushed that narrative. He has turned up at clubs, and Leeds is is the most recent example. And he said to his players, "Come on, let's go out and pick some litter outside the stadium," mm. you know. And he's reminded them that you're here to do a job, and don't think you're better than anyone else. You might be on a lot of money, but the fans are the ones who pay your wages. Mm. So you need to always relate to what it's like to still be a fan. Mm-hmm. And because Bielsa is such a hero for Newells, I think perhaps that mentality has left such an imprint on the club that maybe they've ingrained those ideas in the whole structure of the club, from the academy to you know the first team. Right. And I'd like to think, I don't know if this, this is true, I'd like to think that that mentality that Bielsa has carried throughout his career mm-hmm. has ingrained itself in Newell's so that when players come out of Newell's and the, the system they take that on mm. you know um, because it's a weird thing but when I think of all of the Newell's players who have made it to Europe there's no big kind of players that stand out who were really flash mm. or who became known as you know people who like to spend a lot of money and didn't care about the clubs they played for Pochettino has always said he's interested in projects and he was interested in Spurs because it had, you know, it had a good youth academy and he wanted to build it up and bring them to the new stadium and build a team. Mm -hmm. And he's turned down offers from the likes of PSG and Real Madrid who don't have that same structure. Mm -hmm. Um, Messi has stayed at the same club for his whole career. He's been so loyal to Barcelona. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to be the one that claims that this is because they, 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 they're from Newell's old boys, but there is a trend there and it's, it's, it's hard to deny, you know? Um, I mean, maybe a player will come up that completely goes against that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I, I do feel that a lot of the players that Newell's develop that go to Europe, stay grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, they do stay grounded. And, and I hope that continues because as I said previously, that attracts me to football clubs and to leagues yeah. when the players involved, you know, are still the heartbeat of the club. It's going to be great seeing Bielsa in the Premier League. I'm sure you are looking forward to it, to it as well. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm concerned as well. Yeah. I think they are two opposites. I think the idea of the Premier League and the concept of the Premier League mm. is so at odds with Marcelo Bielsa as a person that it might not work. Um, and But I would wonder 
how sustainable that relationship is between Bielsa and Leeds in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, he's been known to be a coach that doesn't care about leaving a club if they're not playing ball with him, you know, if the contract is not right, if they don't sign a player that he's been promised, he'll, he'll go, he'll leave, he doesn't care. Um, I think the media scrutiny in the Premier League, especially because he's not a native English speaker, mm-hmm. I think could, could be too much pressure for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of scrutiny in La Liga, but he was a Spanish speaker, so he was able to get his ideas across to the media in Spain, um, whereas he's still using an interpreter in, in England. Mm-hmm. I just think Bielsa, I mean, Bielsa is like the anti-Premier League yeah, guy, yeah. you know, all of his, all of his ideals uh, are at odds with the Premier League um, everything we've mentioned so far, you know, his, his efforts to keep players grounded, uh, his ideas that players should put themselves in the shoes of the fans and do normal things. So I do worry, but I, I think in itself to see Bielsa bring Leeds to the Premier League, I think he'd still go down as a as a legend yeah. of that club, even if he doesn't manage them for a very long time in the Premier League. Um, he's he's changed the club. He's 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 done what he did at every club. Yeah. He's taken quite average players and turned them into very good players. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that about Bielsa. He doesn't need a big budget. He doesn't need to bring in bring in big transfers. He just makes players better. And there isn't enough of those managers left in football. Jamie. Thanks again, man, for coming on to Faraway Fan Pod and just taking me through your New Year's journey. It's been so fantastic talking to you, man. Thank you very much, Sean. It was a pleasure to be on the podcast. And uh, if anybody wants to follow my account on Twitter, it's uh, at Newell's underscore EN. Uh, it's Newell's Old Boys English. And uh, I also have a, a blog uh, slash website on Newell's Old Boys. Uh, which is in English also, and that's newellscaraco.com. I'll, I'll put the links in the notes. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks again. Speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Sean. All the best. You too. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.